This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 816. You're tuned to WGNS on this Tuesday morning, today the 29th of June, and this morning we're talking about the city of Murfreesboro and city manager Craig Tyndall with us today. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are you, Scott? I'm good. So yeah. what is new? I understand, uh, well, of course, the city budget was in the news recently, but then also on top of that, we're also hearing a lot about the landfill. I don't think we've ever stopped hearing about the landfill <laughs> over the last couple of years. So right. what's going on with the landfill issue right now? Well, uh, last uh, night, uh, the um, uh, I'm going to not remember the name but the committee the regional committee that's composed of uh four different counties including rutherford uh met and accepted public comment uh what they were uh considering uh, was whether or not to uh, uh give their approval for uh the the proposed uh expansion uh the, the new construction next to the existing landfill to to um, almost double that that landfill that's that's out there now uh republic services who who manages owns and manages that that landfill is uh, applied with uh tdec uh, it's quite a it's, it's a long process it'll take some time um well into next year uh, as they go through all the uh things they need to go through with with respect to their application um but the committee heard uh, public comment on that uh it was uh from from the people who came and spoke, it was uh, resoundingly against um, that landfill um, becoming larger uh, and continuing to accept garbage from outside of Rutherford County. Uh, about 70% of it uh, from uh, outside of Rutherford County, um, and so that uh, they they won't they didn't vote on it last night. They won't vote on it until uh, the 9th of July. Um, but um, a lot of people, a lot of people spoke out against it. They did have some written comments. They said from businesses that spoke in favor of of uh, the application. But um, no, we didn't, you know, they didn't hear about those. They just heard the uh, public comments, which were pretty adamant against it. And of course, the Murfreesboro mayor was outspoken against it as well. Right. In fact, I believe the city at one point actually met with the folks at the landfill, asking them not to go ahead and move forward with an expansion proposal with the state and they went ahead and did it well this is an issue that's been studied for quite some time um for probably well several many many years that you, you know that there's a, a life a, a cycle for a landfill that is going to uh, become complete at some point in time and we've anticipated that this will uh, be completed and in the time frames vary depending on lots of different factors uh, we've heard lots of different numbers out of republic but uh, right around eight years is when that landfill would be would be uh, finished as it sits today. Uh, so for quite some time, there's been lots of studies. We the city intensively studied what to do with uh, its uh, municipal waste for for um, uh, I think probably about three years. Uh, a few years ago, we had a consultant come in and do do lots of different studies on that. Uh, and of course, we've been working closely with uh, Rutherford County and the other municipalities. Uh, to come up with a solution that that would make some some sense um, there's uh, uh, right now and for for quite some time the cost of uh, disposing of municipal waste into the landfill 
um, has been without a fee. So there hasn't, you know, it's been zero. Some people would say, obviously, there's a cost to that because we do treat um, what's called leche, the, the, what comes out of the, the landfill. We, we accept and we treat that. So there's a cost to treating that. Um, we imposed a solid waste fee uh, a couple years ago um, and with the anticipation that that would uh, increase over time as we move towards a self-sustaining model for our solid waste department and understanding also that we would incur additional costs as that landfill heads towards closure uh, either by trucking or some other solution to the the waste that's collected in in the city and recycling has been a big talk of you know what are we going to do with the trash well we could recycle or we could reuse in some way uh recycling recycling has some other factors that are involved with it obviously recycle you need to have the materials that you collect go somewhere and there's a cost involved in collecting that and and shipping that uh to uh, another user and then processing that into some useful um materials after you after it's all collected and that uh, that's a whole separate market and that goes up and down as well so it can be successful uh, if the market's shut down or if the cost comes prohibitive then it's um, you know recycling is not successful because it doesn't have any place to go and uh, you also have different channels that you have of the materials that need to go in different places so cardboard goes one place plastics certain plastics go another place uh, steel and the metal products has to go somewhere else um, so recycling itself is very expensive uh, a lot of that um, what is recycled ends up in the landfill right now uh, so recycling is helpful and it's certainly something that uh, want to consider and look at um, it's obviously not an answer to a vast majority of the waste that's produced in a municipality, but is one thing that, that we are looking at. So right now, the fee that is charged to those, you know, who are businesses or residents who put garbage cans out by the street, there's a fee charge that goes along, I guess, with the water bill. Um, mm -hmm. What is that fee today, and, and is that going to go up in the near future? Um, today, uh, you're going to, we, we've talked about it. You just got me at the end of budget, so a lot of numbers are swimming in my head, and, and we talk a lot of, about it, different things. 5 to 750 somewhere in there is where uh, the, the fee is on the water bill right now, um, and uh, I hesitate a little bit because last year did, we had talked about and considered increasing it on, on last year's budget, and we didn't do that because of the COVID situation and didn't want to impose additional fees. Uh, this year, we looked at it. And, de and determined that it would stay the same for right now, um, but it will go up in the future. Um, we we want to move to the recommendation to council is to move towards a self-sustaining model so that the solid waste department becomes what we call in the municipal world an enterprise fund. It, it's its fees are supporting the services that are provided, and that's the best way to really run that type of service where individuals are all getting service at at, at a level that they're getting it. It's it's a utility model. Uh, and, and picking up solid waste is really a utility. Uh, so there's there's costs. We we're, we're not close to self-sustaining right now. The fees don't cover. Um, they might cover, you know, uh, 35, 40 percent of the cost right now. So there's there's increasing costs that will be um, that is borne by the general taxpayers, uh, out of sales tax and property tax and all the other taxes that, that uh, are received by the city. Uh, supports the remainder of that amount and uh, to make it uh, as fair and equitable as possible for the for the users of that service um, a fee 
uh, attached to that service is really the best the best model to use. Again, with us this morning, Murphy's Bro City Manager Craig Tyndall. You can call or text us if you like this morning with any questions at 615-893-1450. Time right now 8:24. And of course, recently I know you mentioned that the city budget was approved and and passed. And that would be for 2021 to 2022, the fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the overall budget? I mean, how much are we looking at spending over the next year? Yeah, well, we we um, we started our budget right after the first of the year, so it's something we've been working on for about six months. And there's lots of, of variables in there. Uh, right now, the city, from a budgetary standpoint, is about 190 million dollars uh, is what we use just for uh, the general fund in the city. That doesn't count. Uh, the water department, which runs as an enterprise fund, which I just I just mentioned, it runs on fees on its own, so it has its separate budget. And the schools obviously have their separate budget, uh, so exclusive of those, and what we call the general fund, which is all the other services the city provides, we're about 190 million dollars this year. Uh, the budget this year was good. Um, we were very very cautious last year. Uh, we deferred uh, any kind of uh, salary adjustments for employees. We froze hiring, we froze uh, um, uh, expenses last year, uh, expenditures, um, and uh, not knowing what would be the effect of uh, the the pandemic. Um, It turned out that uh, revenues uh, from a sales standpoint maintained uh, the the pace pretty well. People stayed home and they still purchased things. They didn't leave to go on vacation they they were at home and and uh, so a lot of that money came back into our economy and stayed in our economy so we were able to take a real hard look at our budget at the first of the year Uh, actually we did it about november of last year uh, and see what uh, we needed to do to to keep providing services at the level that that we needed to provide it at so we made some adjustments in Um, and then going into next year we uh, were also cautious because of some of the economic indicators that we were seeing and uh, what revenues might be, uh, some of the uh, inflationary pre- pressures and some of the other things that um, are becoming more and more obvious. Uh, we want to be cautious as we go forward in uh, in 2022, what we call it FY 2022, fiscal year 2022. One of the big things I know is protecting the citizens of our community, and there's talks of uh, different expenditures that are going to, I guess, help better protect those citizens. Mm-hmm. And one of those items that was discussed is the idea of police wearing body cameras. Mm-hmm. I, I know in nearby Lebanon, Tennessee, for example, they started using them in 2018. And I think back then, Murfreesboro thought of the idea of using them, but they didn't move forward with it. But now it looks like they're going to move forward with body cameras. We are. Um, the uh, expenditures for purchase of body camera was approved. Uh, it takes a while. We have to go through the purchasing process, and then we'll have to have a uh, process to roll them out, uh, which you'll see during the next year. Uh, we also have to prepare for uh, the um, uh, judicial side to uh, handle the information that's coming in we there's a lot of video that's created by those cameras and that needs to be reviewed so we have to work with our, our county attorney's office and the uh, 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 prosecutor's office to make sure that uh, or the defense you know the public defender's office to make sure that uh, they're able to handle the information that's coming in so over the next year we will see body cameras probably start to roll out or the beginning of next year uh, so it takes a little bit of time we want to do it right uh, but it is important. Uh, it's proven to be very useful, so we do want to uh, make sure that that uh, we 
keep pace with uh, modern policing and, and modern police modern police work, and we're doing quite a bit uh, right now to, to uh, improve the uh, equipment and the infrastructure that the police department has to make sure that we're keeping keeping pace with what's going on in the world. So with those body cameras, is that a live video feed that someone's able to monitor back at the police station? That's a good question. I don't think it's a live video feed that someone sits and monitors. Um, that's a different form. You know, there there is a a, uh, a a model that does use a lot of live feeds that come back in. Um, we're not looking at that model right now. What it does is it goes to, I'm not saying they don't have the capability to do it. It's the, I don't believe the plan is to monitor all the officers that are in the field with the cameras. Uh, so there may be the ability at some point to do that. Uh, but this is a video that's recorded uh, and then maintained. And then when it needs to be used, then um, uh, that period of time can be reviewed and, and what's material. A lot of what may happen on a, on a, car, a camera either in a car, because we do have car cameras now, uh, or on the body is, is officers, uh, you know, driving around, driving from place to place and doing the, the good things that they really do to being out there. And it's only specific periods of time where you really have to review it from a criminal, criminal justice standpoint. But those cameras, I guess, will be rolling during traffic stops during a, a arrest of somebody shoplifting whatever the case may mm-hmm. be that's when they're going to be mainly recording whenever right. they get out of the vehicle and go in to make an arrest right yeah exactly uh, you know you go to other countries and cameras are just widely used uh, and i'm not saying they're not widely used here but they are much more widely used in places like london where you have i think it's 13 closed circuit video cameras mm-hmm. to every uh, no, it's one to every 13 residents in London. So that's like 700,000 closed-circuit right. video cameras all over London. Uh, but here in Tennessee, we don't see a lot of video cameras being used by police departments, but I think that's something else that the city of Murfreesboro is going to lean towards and spend some money on in order to bring in some video cameras so that they can, I don't know, is it to record crime? Is it to record more intersections? What, what is it going to be used for? Well, we use it judiciously. I mean, in America, there is a balance that we need to achieve, and there is uh, the right of privacy, and, and we want to be protective of that. Uh, so um, between security and freedom, there's there's a balance that needs to be achieved. Good. So uh, we're not going to see one camera to every 13 residents I, <laughs> like well, London. I, I think that there would be a lot of pushback in, in this country to, to do something along those lines. Um and now there, there are probably some areas in, in any city that um, there may be um, some video cameras that are uh, monitored by uh, law enforcement uh, or even private security, which is really where a lot of the video comes from now is, is private security cameras uh, that, um, that is useful in a criminal justice standpoint. Uh, from a criminal justice standpoint in, in, in that process. So I think you'll see some of that. I mean, as the technology advances and video gets better and better and it gets cheaper and cheaper to, to roll out, um, it, it is a useful tool. It's a useful tool to make sure that things are being done right, and it's a useful tool to, make, to, to handle situations that go wrong. And so uh, you'll see some of that. I think that uh, we'll continue to work to achieve a balance in our society on how much of that really comes in. I don't think you'll see, at least not, in, except, you know, ma- ma- major metropolitan areas, huge cities, you, you'll probably see a lot more uh, of that, and a lot of it could be private. But uh, I don't think you'll see that in, uh, in Murfreesboro anytime soon. That said, there are equipment out there that, that 
helps us identify things um, like license plates, uh, quickly identify license plates that, that may be useful um, in certain areas where, um, you know, we could, uh, it could be videoing an intersection quite some time, and then uh, when we have a situation between a certain period of time, start to review what traffic went through there. Now, it's not really a privacy standpoint because we all drive around with license plates open and that's that's a requirement that's what we as a society have all agreed to do um, so there's not a privacy issue in that uh, as much as there would be if we were monitoring people 24 7 as they came and go, came and went from different buildings so will there be cameras installed around the square that will be monitored 24 7 by data analyst um, there's not a plan right now for the law, for the police department to have 24/7 monitoring. Obviously, we have 24/7 dispatch, so it makes yeah. monitor to a certain extent, but uh, not from a camera standpoint. Uh, but there are various uh, property owners who have security cameras uh, around uh, the square, and so there is video around the square that we can see quite a bit of. And will there be more? I, I would imagine that there probably would be more as. Uh, uh, as we get bigger and bigger and different things happen and different businesses come downtown, I think that they will probably uh, use our video cameras more. And, and uh, a lot of that ends up being very useful for law enforcement purposes. Again, we're talking about the city of Murfreesboro. And with us this morning is city manager Craig Tyndall talking a little bit about some of the things that I guess budget money is going to be used for, body cameras being one of those items. Mm-hmm. Um, if we move on to roadways and, and new construction of roads here in our community, uh, you know, I, I kind of think about something that happened pre-pandemic, and that was the talk of a distillery moving into Rutherford County, and I believe it was going to be around I-24, and there was even going to be a new interchange built for I think it was the uh, was it the Sazerac Distillery out of New Orleans or something. They're going to build on 55 acres though, right next to I-24. Yeah. Whatever became of all that? Well, they still they still own that property, and I think they still have long-term plans uh, for that property. Uh, they shelved those for a little bit, and I think uh, it had a little bit to do with the uh, tariffs uh, that were imposed a few years ago on um, uh, exports to Asian for um, dis- distilled uh, liquor. And um, that slowed their their plans down a little bit. Now I'm speculating. I didn't. You know, I don't have inside knowledge on Sazerac. They don't, they don't talk to me. So, um, but that's uh, a it's an anticipation of, of probably why you saw you saw some retraction of, of new construction there. But they still do own it. And I think that what our communication with them is that uh, over the long term they do look very favorably at that property and developing that property. Uh, the interchange uh, that you're referring to is it will, will connect with Cherry Lane. That really was long planned. It had nothing to do with the distillery itself. Um, and uh, that's a mile from uh, the 41 you know, interchange uh, with uh, 840. Um, so that's, that's still being looked at. We're still doing the engineering studies on that. Um, as a matter of fact, I think there's money in either this year or next year CIP to, to start doing the engineering work on, on that interchange and then developing that corridor that will go back to uh, 231 to, to Memorials. It goes north. Um, uh, Cherry Lane past Siegel Soccer Park. So if uh, Sazerac said, hey, you know, we're ready to get started right now, would that do you think that extension of Cherry Lane going all the way, what is it, to 840 and eventually all the way to 24, would that happen sooner? No. No, it, it's really uh, 
th those two aren't aren't connected. The roadway that would go back into Sazerac and um, what they're building back there is a distillery and a and a small event center and some event uh, or some some tourism that would would come in it, but not heavy traffic. And the roadway that would service uh, Sazerac distillery that would go back in there is is uh, are already being constructed. So that that roadway will be in there, and so further north from that was really the um, the uh, interchange for Cherry Lane, and that's a totally separate economic development program that that we're looking at on, on Cherry Lane. Let's take a quick phone call. Our number is 615-893-1450. Well, I guess we just lost that call, so I guess we won't take that call. <laughs> Our number, though, 615-893-1450. You can call or text us. Now, right now, one of the ongoing road projects is uh, funded by the state for the most part. That's the widening of Highway 99 mm -hmm. between 24 all the way up to Veterans Parkway. And uh, I guess they're about to start on that next section of road between case and lane to veterans parkway because most of it's wrapped up between 24 and there uh, case and lane so when is that all going to be finished do we have any idea at this point we do our traffic engineers works very closely with adot and uh i i don't i don't have the dates with me but uh we can certainly get people that information uh they track that very very closely so that we can manage the traffic that uh that interrupts and it has to go somewhere else on city street so uh they uh, they they do have those projects. So 96 as well is is uh, they're they're working closely. They started uh, TDOT at the, is is who I'm referring to started in Franklin and, and working back. And if you take 96 into Franklin, you'll see a lot of construction on 96 as it comes towards Triune. Uh, we've talked to them and they've advanced the project to work from Murfreesboro out towards that area. So. Uh, you'll also see 96 uh, start to be um, expanded. Um, Would that be five lanes, two on each side, and turn in the middle? I believe so. And yep, that'll be all the way from Murfreesboro to Franklin. Yes, man, that, that's a that's a long distance. That's a long distance, and uh, uh, it's a state highway, so it's all a TDOT uh, project, and, and we'll we'll follow that, continue to follow that very closely. So with 99 being improved and 96 being improved, um, hopefully we'll get some some relief along those lines of course we have our our transportation plan within the city on the city streets that um, we're actively working towards and uh, our funding we we've we've been very successful in funding those when you talk about roadways and funding you're talking about debt uh, city debt because you have to uh, get a large amount of money all you know all up front or, or mass uh, a big part of it up front and um to be able to, to start the construction and put the roadway into um, to use, so we've we've been successful in the debt market. So maybe the uh, the markets recognize the financial health of of our city, which has really uh, benefited the citizens because we're we're able to carry debt at a very low rate right now. We're we're watching that very closely over because of the inflationary pressures and what that might do to the interest rates, and will that slow us down on on uh, being able to secure the funds that we need to do major major construction projects it, it, it likely will we'll have to we'll have to wait through uh, a period of time while inflation perhaps settles back down if that doesn't indeed come let's take a phone call good morning you're on WGNS uh, yeah you're talking about streets widening building that kind of stuff there's a street in Murfreesboro that has been in bad shape for years now it's called Jones Boulevard you mean uh, over there by Mitchell Nielsen School yeah. to Northfield? Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Go from Northfield back up toward town, and they is 
that spruce as rough as any street in town. All right. Been well, that way for years now. Well, let's find out more. Thank you for calling. Yep, so is that one of the roadways that is going to be improved in some the, way? The city has, uh, it sounded like what he was talking about perhaps was a uh, paving plan. Um, the city does have a paving plan where we uh, take uh, various sections of the city and, and repave roadways. I'd have to check on where Jones Boulevard might might um, fall on that paving plan. Um, the other side of it is is improvement, roadway improvements. I know that uh, there's some discussion on some roadway what roadway improvements on Jones Boulevard as it as it goes towards um, uh, medical center. Okay. There. So I, I guess between Northfield all the way up to Mitchell Nelson School and eventually over to Medical Center Parkway. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess and that's probably the section that is in the need of repair more so than the other section that's between mitchell nelson and medical center parkway more so um so i yeah that's a good question yeah i'll check on that we'll we'll take a look at that and see where that falls within our paving plan and i'll have uh our our traffic department take a look at it if it needs to be advanced and we we certainly can do that let's take another phone call good morning you're on wgns good morning good morning Hey, um, this isn't a road question. It, it has to do with a concern I have on rental property that's getting trespassed on. Um, years ago, the police department told us to use a specific no trespassing sign or signs, and we have done that. And last night had more lottering, and even some of the lotterers were jumping on one of my renter's cars. And the police showed up and said there was nothing they could do about the trespassing and that they had never seen the type of no trespassing signs that that we had up and uh just wondering who i need to talk to Uh, it's also some drugs in these areas and i'm i just can't seem to get anywhere with the police department i just wonder who to talk to um i'd be happy to talk to you. you can send send me an email and i'll i'll give you a call um it's c tindall t i n d a l l so all one word first initial C for Craig, uh, at murfreesboro.tn.gov, and we'll we'll have the police department take take a hard look at that. Okay, appreciate it, Mr. Tindall. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, you too. Time right now, 8.43. You're tuned to WGNS. We're going to take a short break. Our number, 615-893-1450. Again, Murfreesboro City Manager Craig Tindall on the air with us this morning. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. I'm always one of those that goes on and off diets. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. And you know, at Demas's, one of the things that I started doing because of my own eating habits is, is we have a low calorie menu and a low carb menu. So depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. Hummingbird Hill is an equal opportunity provider. Hummingbird Hill is Smyrna's newest apartment home community for people 62 and older. Located at 443 Mason Tucker Drive. Income restrictions apply. Background and credit check required. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. 
We're talking with Glenn King. How old were you when you enlisted? Barely 17. In this salute, we talked to a veteran who served in the Korean War. After I got out, eventually ended up working for the federal government. I worked in Huntsville, Alabama at the Army Missile Command. Ended up managing several of the major air defense missile systems. One was the Stinger and the Red Eye, the shoulder-held missile systems. Then there was the Nike Hercules. And then from there, the Hawk missile. And the last system that I had was the Patriot. And the Patriot missile, it, it was highly classified for a long time until the Gulf War. The missiles you're talking about, these are things that are in history books. Well, they're still using some of the systems like the Red Eye and the Stinger. They're heat seekers. You were on the ground floor, so to speak, of seeing these missiles and how they operate and how they're going to be used. One of the things that I was very, very involved in is the training of the armed forces as to how to use the missile systems. Back then, we didn't have any enemies that were trying to encroach on us where we needed to use them. So it wasn't until the Gulf War that we got to use some of them. This has been a WGNS Salute to Veterans with World War II and Korean War veteran Glenn King. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One MiddleTennessee.com. Locally and veteran. You can make a meaningful difference in 2021. KidLink Community Services is currently seeking foster parents in your area. KidLink provides free training and certification. Contact KidLink today at 877-714-1313 or KidLinkServices.com. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 846, we're talking about the city of Murfreesboro and city manager Craig Tyndall in studio with us this morning. Well, one of the things, big things that occurred in 2020 was the sale of Murfreesboro Electric. And after it sold, I believe, what was it, $245 million with mm-hmm. like $45 million down and then payments annually of what was what were about the, 17 three 17 million 300,000 for 15 years for 15 years so will that first payment hit this year 2021 at the end of this year in uh june i think it's june june or uh, july 1st okay i think it gets paid july 1st so that first 15 million comes in after that 45 million down payment was made mm-hmm. and then we'll see the 15 million every year for 17 or so years yeah so the study committee that was formed after the sale of Murfreesboro Electric, where do they stand today on ideas on what to do with the proceeds of Murfreesboro Electric? Well, their charter is not to decide exactly what to do with the money because that, that will uh, and how it's to be how it's to be used. That that will remain with council and council decide that as we as we go forward. Their uh, uh, charter was to decide how best to manage that money going forward in the future as it's collected. 
uh, and they are actively meeting. Um, uh, Councilmember Lance heads that up and uh, is doing a very good job in, in, in moving along their decision. They will make a recommendation that will come back to Council, and the Council will consider what structure they really want to use to put around uh, that money um, so that it's uh, in the future it's, it's used uh, as prudently as possible and as, as beneficial as possible to the community. And that money, it sounds like it's not going to be used for things down the road like necessarily road construction, but maybe the interest of it could be used for things like road construction, but not the actual sum of money, right? Well, it depends. There's nothing uh, we don't know yet. It depends on how it's going to be structured, so I don't want to talk out of turn, really. Uh, it, it could be used for road construction in a fashion. It probably won't be used because of the financial aspects of it and because we're in pretty good position to, to borrow money, which is the best way, really, to build a long-term uh, infrastructure asset like a road. And so uh, expending current dollars when you have a low interest rate of market market and you have other needs for that money um, probably makes the most sense to, to borrow the money and and build the roadways that way but it could be you know it's it's possible that it, that it could uh, in a high interest rate market perhaps be used to offset some borrowing so that uh, you're, you're not out into the market and um, using uh, expensive dollars for lack of a better term uh, to build to build infrastructure so so we'll see uh, it is in theory uh, uh, would be used to generate additional funds going forward in the future that would be able to be used for capital projects and, and economic development projects that will increase the value of, of the dollars that are held by the city. When Murphy's Broly Electric sold in 2020, the city decided to keep the actual property of Murphy's Broly Electric, which is downtown, mm -hmm. and I guess the city takes that back over in 2023 or so. So what's going to happen with all that? Th that... A uh, piece of property was held for economic development purposes. Uh, we have the uh, First United um, Methodist property that's uh, they've they've pulled a demolition permit now, so they're about ready to to start. You'll see some activity over there within the next few weeks on on that block being uh, developed and that that project's really kicking off. Um, and what we'd like to do is to see something along those lines on that block where the um, uh, the old uh, electric department building is. Uh, there's actually a block and a half there because the other block to the um, to the west is uh, owned by the city to the half half that block. Uh, so it's a good area for economic development purposes, and that's what we're taking a look at. It whether it's you know exactly at 2023, uh, or if we don't have a project in hand, or you know depending on the economy, we may extend that a little bit and keep it in uh, some use depending on. Middle Tennessee's needs. Uh, they have to um, take a look at the property they have now on Old Salem and, and integrate the entire uh, electric department into there. So I know that they're they're looking at various ways of doing that and remodeling, and that takes a little bit of time. So we'll, we'll work with them to make sure that uh, that's done as efficiently as possible. But that's the long-term plans is really to have that develop into another large, hopefully mixed use. It's going to all depend on when uh, when that land becomes available and who's interested in developing it what that will become and the old first methodist church so they're about to i guess tear down and then actually begin construction of uh, condos not the church not the church yeah, no. okay <laughs> the church will be uh, the actual structure of the church will be 
the chapels uh, remain. The chapel will remain. Intact. Yes, that'll remain as a as a venue, and the tower will remain. Uh, those are important landmarks. So, so First uh, Methodist classroom space that's going to be torn down. Yeah, the the 1950s building uh, that was added on to the to the back of that, and the building on the corner of uh, college and church um, that will that will come down and uh, they'll start to construct mixed use so some retail some commercial and uh, some residential will go in there and we're looking at what five stories or so uh, five or six stories yeah okay so once that is built condos townhomes what, what are they calling them condos uh, those will be condominiums yes. okay and then underneath the first floor is going to be a mixed use of retail office and even maybe even a restaurant or two Right. Okay. That, that's that's the plan. And then the venue space with the, the church. And then there were also talks of a boutique hotel coming to downtown Murfreesboro. Of course, that was pre-pandemic, so I don't mm-hmm. know where we stand on that idea today. That was removed from the plan because uh, there wasn't any financing available to do hotels due to the plan- pandemic and what that did to our our. Um, the industry, uh, the hotel industry, and the tourism industry. So as that comes back, uh, would we see a hotel somewhere downtown? It's it's possible. Uh, right now, it's not in that plans. Um, I, could they make accommodations in the plans to do that if if it came back at the right point in time? It's possible as well. Um, but I think we're likely looking at a hotel being in another location other than there. Okay, and then you know the whole pandemic thing. I know that probably really hurt Murphy's Bro as far as what they collect off the hotel tax throughout 2020 going into this year, 2021. How bad did it actually hurt, though? The uh, hotel motel tax, the occupancy tax, was um, hurt pretty bad. It it dropped quite a bit. Now, that's not a very big percentage of our budget, budget, quite frankly. It's it's uh in percentage wise i don't know but it's probably it's well into the single digit it's a it's low single digits as far as a percentage of our entire budget so um that didn't impact us too too uh, too much now part of that money does go to support other things it goes to support the tourism at the chamber and now that that's a much bigger percentage of of that budget so that's really where you saw the effects not on the municipal services side but on some of the other uses that that money is is put towards that's coming back it's it's pretty healthy right now um it's either at or very close to uh, pre-pandemic um, levels and so it, it's it's looking very positive and hopefully we don't go back into a cycle that that would uh, create us another situation over there but yeah from a city services standpoint we, we were fine with it. it was our concern really was the other uh, support that that tax provides to other entities that are very, very important to the city right now that time 855 so we only have about four and a half minutes or so left this morning uh, so as we close out one of the other items that we've heard a lot of talk about is a future park in the area of highway 96 and blackman where do we stand on that today we are still looking at that property and, and planning on that property um, we will bring back to council on the workshop in uh, the second Wednesday of July to talk about the West Park planning. Um, we also have the property on 96 that uh, is 150 some odd acres that uh, we're taking a hard look at um, using that for a lot of the park amenities uh, that we want to put on the west side. Um, and that, that land is is very well suited for uh for park development 
um, the land on Veterans and 840. Um, we do plan to have a park facility there as well, um, a smaller park than what was originally planned. Um, of course, it's only about three miles from the 96 property. It's very close um, to get there. It's very, uh, very easy to drive, particularly as they improve 96 out from towards Franklin. Um, but the uh, the property uh, on on Veterans and 840 is surrounded by privately owned property, which will be in commercial development. And uh, because of the way it, that it lies and it's situated uh, with visibility on on 840, um, it's well suited for uh, economic development that's growing very fast in that area right now. So we could see a, a corporate office even move into that area and then maybe have a small park developed next to it. Yeah, but it depends on what you say small. We're talking a larger park, a 20, 30, maybe even 40 acres uh, with walking trails that wind through and uh, accommodating something. So it's still, that still could be a substantial park. I think the important thing about parks isn't necessarily the land that that is part of it, but how you plan a park. So you can have a very nice park that that's um, five to ten acres that a lot it has a very that's used very heavily and 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 it's very nice um, and you can have larger parks that don't have a lot of amenities to them so we want to make sure that we utilize that that land and plan the park uh, to the most benefit of the community on the west uh, and it can supplement the larger park that um, if if council decides to start that construction down 96 um, they can work together and uh, provide a lot of park space for the uh, west side. There's also been a lot of talk about having multiple satellite library locations throughout Murfreesboro. Is that something that is going to happen over the next year or so? We're talking with Lineball Library and they're, they have a separate board. They're not technically part of the city. We fund them, but they're not a city, uh, they're not a city entity. Um, we in the county both fund part of that and the other cities contribute for the branches that are uh, in other locations so there's a process to go through and we are looking at um, putting branches out closer into the communities uh, where that they serve to provide that that amenity out in that area in those areas so it sounds like uh, satellite library locations are a possibility and possibility a big Very park strong. as well <laughs> yes so a little bit of everything yes again with us this morning Murfreesboro city manager Craig Tyndall and uh, is there anything else that we left off that we could close with that you can think of? We, uh, we did a pretty comprehensive job today, Scott. I think the, the biggest uh, issues we covered relatively well. And, of course, uh, always available. I, I gave up my email address earlier. If people have questions, they're welcome to call the city, and we will get them answers. Well, I, I, I think you ought to run the city. I, I think you covered everything. <laughs> It's almost as if you know everything going on. <laughs> well, there, I have a very good staff that knows what's going on, and, and uh, I, get the, uh, I get a little bit of it. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Time right now, 8.59. Stay with us. We do have local news followed by CBS News coming your way next on WGNS. Yeah.